It's Radio Free 501C, the voice of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. Don't forget to subscribe on all your favorite podcast services. This week, I welcome first-time guest Jen Swanson. She's been a longtime association and nonprofit executive, and she's also a solo staff marketing department, so we're going to talk about the challenges and rewards of that. Welcome to episode 192. Hey everybody, it's Monday, April 17th, and that means it's time for another episode of Radio Free 501C, the voice of Road Tulips Consulting. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. I'm the principal and founder of Road Tulips, and I want to thank you for joining us this week. To our global audience, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be, and thanks again for joining us. This week, I'm really excited to welcome first-time guest, Jen Swanson, who is a longtime nonprofit management executive, but she's also currently a solo staff marketing department. So Jen's going to talk with us today about what that is like and how she manages being the one person in an entire department. But before we do that, I want to welcome you, Jen. Thanks for joining me this week. And would you like to say hello to our audience and tell us a little about yourself? Well, thank you so much, Cecilia, and hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as Cecilia mentioned, I'm Jen Swanson. I've been in associations for 15 years, which feels um, almost impossible. <laughs> and <laughs> I've been marketing for at least 10 of those years. Uh, I've earned my CAE and my master's in nonprofit administration. So I've found a long-term home in associations and nonprofit management, and I really love it here. Oh, that is fantastic. I did not realize you had a graduate degree. That's wonderful. Because I was talking with some people about a week or so ago, and we were talking about the fact that there's very few graduate programs anymore in nonprofit management. So I'm glad there's still one out there. There is. And I actually, um, North Park in Chicagoland, and it was it was a very wonderful program. I learned quite a bit. Oh, that's great. Uh, this another, uh, you'll have to come back and talk about that uh, in the future, because I think that is something that's on a lot of our minds right now is the the future of this as a career, uh, working specifically as a nonprofit executive. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're here to talk about doing other work, which is marketing. And you are the solo marketing department. So what is that even like? Um, It depends on the day. It can be <laughs> Um, a lot of really tedious spreadsheets and creating social media posts, which I do love, but it can also be helping to educate board members or leadership about the importance of marketing or how to best write an email or why you don't spell out a URL in an email um, and how to kind of, you, you'd be surprised. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why you know what a call to action is so it's a little bit of high level thinking and planning and then also you're the one doing the nitty-gritty so you're the architect and the builder and the masonry person of your own department wow and I guess also the interior designer that as well um, <laughs> though there are people on you know most of our teams that also think they're interior designers but aren't really yeah you know isn't that always the truth I, there's always people who who think they're really good at something I, and you know they 
you know, I, I love it that they have that much faith and confidence in themselves, but we all, you know, as Clint Eastwood said, as Dirty Harry, a man's got to know his limitations. So, you know. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I've never pretended to know finance, so I'm not going to pretend to be an accountant, but everybody thinks they're a marketer. Right. Isn't that funny? I mean, and just on that topic real quick, as it, it does relate to what you do and, and why you're here to talk with us today, um, I've never thought of myself as a marketer. Uh, because I think of myself as a communications person. I'm a writer. I, I develop content, but I never really thought of myself as a marketer. Uh, I, I have something of a talent for it, but I, I would never say, yeah, hire me to run your marketing department. Um, but I try, you know, I try to be self-aware <laughs> about that stuff. Like you, you know, um, I would never be a finance person either. I, I just know, nope, that is not my strength. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, sort of like I like to sing. I love to sing, actually. Am I very good at it? Well, probably not, <laughs> but I do enjoy singing. I know he's going to pay money. Well, they might pay me money to stop. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it's so great about, you know, knowing your own limitations. My husband's a graphic designer mm -hmm. and I am very much not. But when you're a solar marketer and you may not have the bandwidth or the money to pay for somebody to do graphic design. You know, I found myself having to slap together something in Photoshop and it's good enough, but my husband will look at it and be like, Oh, and I'm like, I know, but I, you know, I'm not a designer. I don't have that skill set. I'm doing what I can with what I've got. Well, Hey, Hey husband, maybe some pro bono work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't criticize, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. <laughs> he, he's definitely taught me a lot of things, which has been really helpful, but I am, I am nowhere near his skill set. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. That is a very unique niche. I, I agree wholeheartedly because it is, it's called graphic designer, but it's really, I think more toward the art side. Of, of the world I you know it's a very creative thing uh I used to do graphic design years ago uh so I I know how to place things that am I as good as your husband I'm not no <laughs> I'm, I'm just you know uh but I I kind of know where to put it but you're right you know there's there's you know there's a difference of being able to do something and then that being like your area that you're super good at right and I bet though, with what you do as a solo marketing department, though, you're probably very strategic. Although I know, like you said, you're the builder and the interior designer and the landscaper <laughs> for the property, but I bet, isn't there a lot of strategy that goes into what you do? There is. And I think one thing that I try to do is make the strategy really sound. So I don't have to have all the bells and whistles because strong content, strong messaging, strong strategy mm -hmm. wins out over flashing lights and the fancy things you can do with design or different things. But if you have trash strategy or bad language or bad messaging, no amount of lipstick is going to make that pretty. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of that old state lipstick on a pig. Yeah, that's, that's oh, what I'm thinking <laughs> You put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. <laughs> that's my, you know, well, I guess unless it's Miss Piggy, but that that's another thing. But, oh, gee, please, whoever owns the Muppets, don't come after me for mentioning Miss Piggy <laughs> for copyright or whatever. Um, but I think, though, one of, one of the problems now, I've been a solo staff 
department, uh, not in marketing, but in component relations, chapter relations that I think is a little more common uh, than people might think. Um, I was very surprised to hear you were a solo marketing department. That's a little more unusual. But do you find uh, it's hard to uh, connect or work with or uh, you know, do projects with the other staff because you're a solo person? I don't. Um, I've been really lucky. I think it's easier for me because they know it's just me. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to, when I come to them and say, okay, guys, you're the subject matter expert or you're you know, the person that wants this to go out. I need you to give me the meat of it and I can, I can judge it. I can make it better. I can make it ready for the public. And I think that's helped them understand that they have to be ready with an idea when they come to me, they can't just say, I want a blog post to go up in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want it to be about? You know, what, where's the copy? How are we going to, you know, disseminate it? Are we going to have social? And they're like, what? I was like, okay, you guys can't come to me with an idea unless you at least have some structure behind it. And I think that's been really beneficial. You know, so you're almost like training them in a way. Not that they'd ever know it, but yes. (laughs) It's gentle training (laughs) in the background. It's a little Pavlovian, I, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, that's funny because I am so Pavlovian. It's not even funny. It's like, you don't you don't even have to give me a biscuit and I will just do the action. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, I find, you know, there's just a weird thing. Um, you know, I think with all of us, we just have this muscle memory about things. So like, even if uh, here's my example, since I've gone there, yes, I've gone there. I've gone to the Pavlovian side of me. Okay. So when the light is on, on the basement stairs to go downstairs, and I'll see that the light is on, intellectually, I know the light is already on. I don't need to flip the light switch, but I will flip the light switch because it's just a reaction. And, and so I just start laughing at myself and I turn the light back on and go, I'm so Pavlovian, <laughs> you know, because it's like my muscle memory has hit that light switch when I go down the steps. So it's, um, that there's this little thing about me. People probably did not want to know, <laughs> but um, and I, I think even past, you know, muscle memory, I think our brain doesn't want to have to think about an extra thing. Mm-hmm. So it just knows you're going to go down the stairs. I'm going to flip the light switch. So it's one less thing your brain has to actively think about. And I right. think, especially as a solo department lead, any, any little thing that you can check off that list that doesn't take up brain space is really helpful. You know, and that and that's um a great segue to bring it back to our topic because I think when we are a solo person, you know, like I mentioned, I was one too. I actually I still am. I'm a solopreneur right now. So I tend to have my ways of doing things. So they don't have to worry about it. Like you said, I don't have to think about it. But in some ways, muscle memory is a good thing. So it's a good thing for athletes. I think it's a good thing for us with managing our workload. Uh, because if you're a solo staff person like yourself and you are working with other departments and other people, you really do have to have those things in place so that you don't have to worry about your systems. Now, do you need to adjust your system from time to time? Do you need a new process? Can you tweak it? Can you make it faster? Can you make it better? Yes, you can. And when you see that opportunity, we should do it. Uh, So all kidding aside, about Pavlov's dog and experimentation and reactions, it's like sometimes it's a good thing to have those systems in place because if you're managing your workload and then like you've mentioned, you're also gently 
leading other departments in educating other departments so that they're getting a much better outcome from working with you, then that benefits everybody. But you still have to do your full day of work. Absolutely. And I think when you're the only person in a department and you work with deadlines, you know, whether it's marketing deadlines or meeting deadlines, people don't always understand how much work has to be done on the front end before you get to that actual deadline. Meeting planning seems so effortless when you have a great meeting planner. The same with anything with a deadline. I have to build in time knowing that my colleagues or volunteer leadership or myself, I need a little bit of wiggle room in case something doesn't get in on time or somebody's out sick. And I I don't think that's fully appreciated all the time Mm -hmm. until I'm out sick or I go on vacation. Goodness gracious, how, how dare I? But having to, you know, get things set up so that I can go on vacation and not worry 90% of the time, maybe only 50% of the time. (laughs) No, I just love that because, you know, you probably still worry. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to guess if you're anything like me, you're probably worrying 75% of the time when you're out of the office on vacation. On a good day. Yeah. (laughs) Because you try not to try to let it go. uh, But if you are it, you are the person, you are Jen, the marketing department. It's hard to not worry about it and it's hard to let it go. And, and you want to make sure that everybody's getting what they need when they need it. And unfortunately, no matter how many times you tell people you're going to be out of the office, they will come to you the last hour of the last day you're in the office and say, I need this thing by tomorrow morning. And then you have to disappoint them. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm going on vacation in August. I'm going to Disney world with my husband and my, our friends. And I, I made it clear already. I'm going to be in Disney world in August. I will not be bringing my laptop. You have, you know, four months to figure out what you need before then. Uh, if you can't work within that timeline, we've got a bigger problem. Well, I'm just laughing because I just know how people are, you know, four months is not enough. <laughs> we should have six. But I do hope that you just go on vacation and politely say, hey, you know, I put it out there a long time ago and I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait or you're going to have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. And I think that's why it's really important to have at least two people in every department because really the job of marketing, you can say it's everybody's job, but one person is the lead. And I I think a lead team is better. That's my opinion. So chief staff executives of the world, keep that in mind. You should probably have at least two people in every department, or at least have cross-functional teams where somebody can cover for Jen so she can go to Disney World and not worry. Uh, Because now when you go on vacation, now you're a solo person, so you're putting out lots of energy you're putting in a lot of time. So do you, what do you do on vacation to help like refill your creative well? Uh, my husband and I are very active vacationers. So we're going to Disney on our vacation, which means I will probably come back more tired than I leave. <laughs> um, but that that's my kind of ideal vacation. We like to go and do stuff, uh, travel, eat great food, you know, have an adult beverage or two. So I think that kind of energy and just being somewhere new is really energizing to me. Um, and I've been a Disney fan since I was teeny tiny, thanks to my grandparents. So oh. anytime I'm there, it's just, it's very magical to me and it's not for everybody. And I get that, but, uh, we like to just go and absorb it all and 
I uh, try not to worry about anything happening. And um, I mean, like you, you mentioned, you know, having cross training, I have to have at least someone in the office at the executive level that knows like the crisis communications plan or what to do or how to send out an email if something happens, you know, that is just catastrophic and hope that I don't have to jump in, but know that, you know, we had, we had a celebrity die in a facility that we accredited before I started. Um, And someone had to send out a press release about it because it was a big deal. And you always hope that that never happens while you're working, that you have to send out something because a board member said something crazy or one of your members did something just awful. But the reality is when you're a solo marketing person or even at, you know, the leadership level, there's always someone that on a Saturday or at nine o'clock at night is going to have to respond to that. Right. Let me, well, you know, now that's interesting. You mentioned the crisis communications plan, which some people might say is more of a communications area. So are you a solo marketing and communications department? And PR and I'm sales. I do our exhibits. Oh my gosh. So you're a solo four department person basically because it, I know. it took a long time before I realized that those were different departments and different companies. Oh my gosh. You so need to hit every bar in the Epcot center when you're occupation. <laughs> I'll tell my husband that you told me I had to do that. Oh my gosh. You know, I gotta tell you, all right, I'm already in trouble with Disney for mentioning Miss Piggy, because if I remember correctly, they also own the Muppets now, in addition to the Marvel universe. So there you go, Disney, two free placements. Um, no, we, we have been to Disney world a couple times. And every time we go to the Epcot center, we go in in a good mood and, and are having fun. And we usually end, end up like in tears and having too many drinks, trying to just find our way home. Because you, know? <laughs> you go from each little area and then you're having drinks and you're having fun until you get lost. And then you realize how tired you are and you're over by some car exhibit when you thought you were in France and it turns into a nightmare scenario. And then you're just trying to make your way back to the yacht club, you know? <laughs> So, but luckily at, at Epcot though, you wouldn't be the only ones crying. There's screaming babies. There's crying adults. <laughs> it's, it's everyone. You know, that is so true. Uh, but, uh, I got, I got to tell you like the worst thing that I saw was somebody, you know, they have the characters and they had Belle and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, which is one of my favorite, uh, newer, more modern classics that they do. Well, of course, you know, but the Beast costume, it's huge. And this man was forcing his little girl to go over and talk to the Beast. And she was terrified. She's crying. She's like three years old. She's crying. No, I don't want to. And he's like, come on, come over and say hi. And I'm just like, well, now how sensitive is that? Not as my husband and I were sitting there sipping champagne because we were in the France part. <laughs> but I was just like, what is going on here? So you're right. We're not the only ones who are usually in tears at the Epcot Center, um, but it is, it is a lot of fun. I got to tell you, we've had fun. There's so much to do there. Uh, and we actually, uh, we stayed at the Grand Floridian one time mm-hmm. when we went there and we were in a room where you could see the glass carriage for all the weddings. Cause like women come down there for the Disney wedding and they get the glass carriage from Cinderella and they have the white horses and all the guys are dressed up like from the movie. And, and then these brides would come out to get in the carriage and so beautiful. And just really just seeing what the other people are doing is fun too, um, which is just, although, you know, I got to say, though, 
most real experience. Okay, now I'm really gonna get in trouble with Disney. No, no, we're we're advertising for them for free. We're do- free advertising. <laughs> for them. The most real experience we had at Disney was we rented one of those little mouse boats. Oh, cute. Okay, and we're out like you know the little two person boat, and we're just like driving around, and. I was like, that was fun. And so then, you know, the next day we did it again, but they didn't have the little boat just for two people. It was a little bit bigger boat for like four people. Well, the steering wheel quit working in the lagoon as the lagoon launch is like coming straight at us and it's like full of people. It was like one of those tour boats. And I'm like trying to get out of the way. And my husband's like, turn the wheel. I'm like, it just won't turn. We're going to get hit, you know, but, but they realized we couldn't control our boat. And so they ended up going around us. But I was like, that was the most real experience I had there because it was like, we almost got run over. But um, otherwise, generally we had a great time, uh, even almost getting run over by the Magic Kingdom launch, well, you know, was a good time to put a crisis plan in place. You know? well, yeah. And I, I mean, I was just going to say, I, Disney is so magical for me, but I've always admired the way that their cast members like really just go above and beyond. And every single person is doing justice to like Walt's original plan down to, you know, they, they're not supposed to say, I don't know if you ask them something, it's always, let me find somebody who can help you or, you know, I love that. You dropped your, your drink or your ice cream. I'm a huge klutz. So that happens to me more often than that. Uh, or, you know, I, I trip and half my drink's gone and they'll, you know, replace it. And it's one of those things that I really try to embody is I don't know everything and that's okay. You don't have to know everything, especially as somebody that's a solo department. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm not sure. Let's figure it out. Let's find the best way to do X or I, you know, when I started my first marketing job, I didn't know what, how Twitter worked. And you know what, I bought a book and I started playing around with it and I learned Twitter. I mean, it's not, it's nothing to be so scared of. There's always a way you can find it. There's a YouTube for everything. I, you know, I replaced my bathroom sink a couple of weeks ago by watching a couple of YouTube videos. It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> As, as my dogs <laughs> and my husband were all staring at me because I was the only one that could fit under the sink. So, oh, okay. Well, but still, you did it. it yeah, you got to be willing to try it and know that there's something out there that you can you can use to guide you. I mean, right? Even IT professionals, and they don't want you to know this. Sometimes they Google to figure out what's wrong with your computer. Right. That happens more often than not. I know <laughs> that's true. But you know, why do they hide it? I don't know. It's like, it's like you just said, there's nothing wrong with not knowing as long as you know how to find the answer. Right. And and you're willing to admit, I don't know. Let me go find it. And, you know, bring it back to our topic. The solo staff person needs to have that kind of an open mind of, you know, I don't know. Let me get a book or let me look it up online. And you're absolutely right about YouTube. There are so many helpful videos, like how-to videos on YouTube. You can learn how to do anything. And what always gets me is like how young some of the people are. Like we used to have a Wii and uh, the drive wasn't working right. And so I'm like, well, how can I fix this? And there was a nine-year-old boy had done a YouTube video about how to take your Wii apart and put it back together with a new disk drive in it. I was floored. I was like, this is amazing. You know, these little kids are the ones who should be making money on YouTube. The ones who can actually show you something useful, you know. Um, But it's really... You know, we, we've been having a lot of fun talking about, you know, Disney and, and YouTube and doing things, you know, home improvement projects. But I think it really all does relate 
to our topic of being the solo staff person, because in all these scenarios, what we're doing is we're seeing customer service uh, from Disney. I don't know, but let me find someone who can help you, or let me get you an, a new ice cream cone because you bumped into someone in drafters. That's really member service as customer service. And every interaction we have is marketing. Absolutely. So, it, you know, it's it's like anytime we talk to a member, anytime we talk to a potential member or a stakeholder of another kind or a vendor that we work with, you know, it's all member service and, and how we're getting that message out because our marketing message should always be focused on our mission and how we fulfill our mission in the end. Even if, you know, even if you're promoting, we have a new book coming out or we, we have conference coming up and people might think, well, the marketing is about conference. But it's, it's really about our mission, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you agree with me on that. That's my view. No, I absolutely do. And I think, especially when it comes to like the people on the front lines, you know, your, your customer service, your member services, your specialists, those people are usually the first face voice, whatever a customer is going to see or hear or talk to, they need to be up to date with, you know, what's going on. They need to know your values and your mission and be those kind of people you want interacting with folks. Um, I, I try very hard to make sure that our staff knows what kind of emails are going out because I started in customer service in my first association job. And I hated not knowing what was going on and getting a call from a member saying, Hey, I just got this email. I want to buy this. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I really try to make sure our folks know like, Hey guys, we're sending out this email about X. This is what it means. This is who to go to for questions because I hate for them to be put in that situation. Right. No, you know, I just love that you just said that because so many times we're siloed. You, you're definitely not siloed. I mean, your PR, your communications, your marketing, your crisis management. I mean, you do it all, but so many times it happens and, and I don't even think it's intentional. No. It, we just get focused on what we're doing and, and we don't pay attention. So I love that you make sure your colleagues know what's going on so that they know what to do with a call. Because if we want to have empowerment and we want everybody to own it when something hits their desk, they can't own it if we don't tell them what's going on. Right. And I, I think, you know, having worked in the customer service department too, when I started, I'm also very intentional about user experience on our website because that's who it's for. And if you can't find something on a website and you're going more than three or four clicks, they're going to call your folks on the phone and then they're going to get frustrated. And an easy to navigate website is going to do better for revenue because people are going to be able to buy things, order things, register for things easier. They're not going to call and bo like bottleneck up the phones because they're not going to need to call to figure out how to get to a page that they should have been able to find. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to employ that too with when I do things on our website to make it easier to find navigation that makes sense, speaking to the customer, not at them. Well, so you play a, a big part in that on your website. I, yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's a struggle having to do that education mm -hmm. to help understand, you know, why you need to have a call to action, how you, you brand and message things on the website, because we had a great website, you know, when I started five years ago, it was very pretty and it had a lot of words, but it didn't say anything. And it, it took a couple of years to help really educate and get that gauge to move to a website that now is much more about 
how we're helping our, our members, our facilities, what we can help them do, how we help the, the general population and not just, you know, we're so great. This is why you should be a member. Well, I, wow. I just, you know, what you were just saying about websites being pretty, but not saying a whole lot. I mean, of course, and I'm a bit of a smart ass. So I was thinking of like all different kinds of things, you know, like, oh yeah, that's what my first husband was like. Pretty good. <laughs> It's final evidence. No, I'm just kidding. I've not, I've only been married once so far. Um, but uh, I think when we're looking at that, okay, so we're talking about the website and that's like our window on the world, right? So that's like our shop window. So from the marketing perspective, I love that you try to be hands-on with that and, and get people to think it through, like make it easy to find, because if you're like me and you go to a website and you're trying to find a thing and it's a, it should be easy to find and you can't find it even when you use their search bar. What does that do? Makes me go to another website. Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, a little bit of dry throat there, folks. Um, but that's really the thing. We don't think about the end user. So you were talking earlier about how you do everything. You do graphic design, you do the messaging, you educate your colleagues. And I think, you know, to be successful at that, especially as a solo department, you have to think about the end user. So when you're looking at the website experience, how is the member of the public who's looking up information about us interacting, are the members able to get to the members only part quickly and easily? And once they get there, can they find what they're looking for there? Uh, you know, uh, making sure your coworkers understand how things work. That's all thinking about the end user. And, and how they're doing that and getting that message out to them. Uh, so, and it's, so much, it's so much, sorry, it's so much easier to educate your team when mm -hmm. it's not about what I think and what I want to do. It's about really what's best for our members, our constituents, our, you know, our end users. It's so much easier to help educate them and help them break bad habits mm -hmm. when you've got, you know, a real reason behind it, not just well, I like purple, so I want the website to be purple. <laughs> That's true. Unfortunately, too many decisions get made that way. <laughs> you know, it's like, I like this. Um, I heard about, a. this was many years ago, but I heard about a, a senior VP at a nonprofit organization, bought a townhouse for the organization in Alexandria because they liked the woodwork. And it's like, okay, well, this has nothing to do with what you do for your mission or where your location should be, but you like the woodwork. And it's like, okay, not the best choice. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying, folks, it's not the best choice. But, you know, uh, Jen, before we wrap up, I mean, I cannot believe our conversation has gone so quickly. It's been so fun. Uh, mm -hmm. And I hope you, you are interested in coming back and continue talking about marketing in the future. Uh, but... Before we do our wrap up, I like to ask people who do marketing and communications, and you do it all. I mean, you are not just a solo marketing department, you're marketing communications, PR, website management to a certain extent, crisis management to a certain extent. So do you think, th this is a question I ask everybody in the communication marketing area, do you think marketing is a subset of communication or do you think communication is a subset of marketing? Oh gosh. I think I've honestly used the terms interchangeably for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, maybe they're two sides of the same coin. Oh, I like that. You're the first person who said that. Cool. All right. 
you know, because I, I think you're right. I, th I think I probably lean more that way. Um, although in the past, I've said that marketing is a subset of communication. Because the way I look at it is like there's communication and then within communication, you do marketing and PR and, and, and all the other things that we do. But I like that. I think marketing and communication are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And I think maybe it's because I've, I haven't been in a, a delineated role where I'm only doing one piece, mm -hmm. you know, in, in my world, exhibit management and the website and social media and marketing and PR and everything else, all those and, and, ands, they're all part of my job description and my, my job says marketing on it. So I just am like, okay, yeah, it's all marketing. Oh my gosh. You know, and I'm just imagining like if your job description were ribbons at a conference, you know, how we <laughs> ribbons on, I mean, you're going to be down your knees at least if not the floor. That's really, um, that is great. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry to wrap this conversation up. I've had a great time talking with you and, you know, again, kudos to you for doing such a great job uh, as a solo staff person with so many responsibilities that that's a, a big load to carry. Thank you. It's a, uh, it's been interesting and I've learned a lot. I think that is one thing about being a solo staff person is you wear a lot of hats. So you learn a lot of great things. That's wonderful. I've, I've always tried to take that attitude as well. So I'm glad to hear that because you're right. You, you get more opportunities. It can be, it can be frustrating some days because you are the only person, but on the other hand, I think it's, it's a little more fun. Yeah. So, well, at, at the end of every episode, Jen, I like to ask my guests, what is the one thought you'd like the audience to take away today? And how can they get in touch with you if they'd like to follow up and, and continue the conversation? Sure. So the one takeaway I would say is it's okay not to know everything. Nobody knows everything. Anybody who says that they do know everything is a liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> and um, you can get in touch with me via LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn slash in slash Jen L. Swanson. My profile picture, I've got pink hair and a blue shirt. So I'll be easy to find. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, that's some good directions. I, I have found that Swanson, which is my married name, is a lot more common than my maiden name of Raguth. So there's a lot more Jennifer Swansons out there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Um, so I, cause you know, we're connected on LinkedIn, so I don't worry about it because you pop up when I look, but that's a good point. <laughs> so but uh I guess that's one benefit of being a Cecilia. There's not too many of us out there. At least not too many of us who spell it right. But um, bump. Okay. <laughs> Versus the thousands and thousands of Jennifers. Oh my goodness. Well, and Jennifer is generally, I guess, spelled the same way. Well, I guess some people use a G sometimes. That was in the the later, the later years, not in the mid-80s. No, unfortunately for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. You are too funny. You oh. definitely have to come back. That's oh, so absolutely. I would love it. <laughs> no, this has been so fun. Thank you. So it is time for us to go rogue, uh, but we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. So please don't forget to subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help your organization bloom outside the box, you can visit our website, roguetulips.com. Look at our services page. We actually do a lot more than you might think we do. And if you're interested in CAE education or professional development in the nonprofit area, or you're just a curious sort like myself, 
check out the Rogue Tulips Education Program, the 501c League. It has its own website, the 501c League.net. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us. On behalf of Jen and myself, we'll see you next time. <laughs>